You are now tuned in to the Free Play Media Podcast Network. We are live. It's Chris Denman solo today. No Travis. You heard Step Uncle Adam was coming back. He was a little nervous about the last time they chatted. Mr. Adam Carolla joining. And I know we've got some listeners up at New York. You guys need to go check him out. Dennis Prager live at the King's Theater in Brooklyn. That's right. Adam Carolla, Dennis Prager live. Adam, great to have you back, man. How are you, sir? Good, Chris. How are you doing? Fantastic, man. I was just looking at... Uh, some of the online stuff I was doing for another podcast I do, National Back Radio, and wanted to thank you for uh, having my big, my big lovable. Uh, of course, I'm driving and the uh, thing goes off while you're on the phone. Big lovable Canadian uh, podcast partner Ian Baggin, man. You guys were great together. Thanks for having him on. I love uh, Ian. He's a good guy. He's been on uh, multiple times, and so he's on my show today. And Pearl Show, if you'd like to check it out, I. I said something that nobody really got because it was like a bridge too far. But I and I, you should tell uh, Ian this if you uh, if you speak to him. It's not exactly clever. It's more of a slow burn of a joke. <laughs> but he What's said, <laughs> "I wasn't really a joke. I just said uh, uh, Ian Ian Bags coming in, and uh, I hope he brought his older brother Duke Bags because I like that guy." And I just think he should have an older brother named Duke Bag, which makes everyone sort of think douchebag, but never really question it. Like, right. No one would ever go, you don't really have a brother. Like, if you named his brother Douche, everyone would go, oh, come on. But if you named him Duke, everyone would just slowly have to do that math, and it would be, it would be funny. Come here, funny. Phil. I'm walking my dog, and my dog wants to go see another dog, and now he's stuck at the street. Well, hopefully it doesn't set off anything. You're dealing, uh, Phil's working on procedures. You're working, uh, working that out. He's doing all right. He's a young dog. Yeah, he's, uh, he's young, and uh, he, he's had a few seizures, and it's kind of, it's, uh, well, it's interesting. A couple things. You know, it's one thing when a lap dog has a seizure. It's sort right. Of, I, you know, it's, it's, I, when a lap dog has a seizure, it's like when you set your phone on vibrate, put it on a wooden table, and somebody calls you. But <laughs> yes, when a 110-pound lab has a seizure and they sleep in between you and your wife, they will knock you off the bed with their seizure. And the other thing that's interesting about seizures, as far as I can tell, but maybe some of your listeners will shoot me a tweet, Bill's seizures happen between... 4 a.m. and 4.35 a.m. That's pretty rude. Right. Yeah, I know, because (laughs) it's weird. Like, it's also one of those things where, like, if anyone is in SoCal and has lived in SoCal long enough, will tell you earthquakes only hit at 5 a.m. You have to be nude and you have to be disoriented in order for an earthquake. You can never be driving in your car sitting at an intersection going, I think we're having an earthquake. Let me turn the stereo down. It's always got to be, oh, my God, what's happening? 
and then everyone has to be running around screaming what's happening, and then you got to be trying to wake the kids up and like get them get them into a door jam, you know, like it can never happen when you're sitting around with sweatpants on drinking a cup of coffee and watching oh, no. Good Day LA. Like, and it could never happen. And the seizure's the same thing. It just could never happen while you were standing around with a cup of coffee in your hand. It has to happen in the middle of the night. Which is absolutely absurd. Like, can one time, can you be under a, a nice structure where you feel safe when that happens? I'll, I'll, I'll do everyone one better. How about I fly so much and do so many gigs. How about I'm just up in the air on a Southwest flight and I'm watching the earth shake 5,000 feet below me? How about that? We're having as a long, laugh about it. As long as the king of podcasting is okay, I, I'm all right, man. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a solid plan. Thank you. Or how about this? How about Phil has a seizure at noon and I'm just at work? How about that? <laughs> exactly. Maybe he chokes on his own vomit. Maybe he doesn't. I'm not. Maybe he doesn't. Either I'm way, working. I'm working. Yeah, I'm making money. <laughs> well, I saw you were. Uh, you've been doing some solo stuff. You were what Nashville recently, Chicago, making the rounds. How uh, I, I wanted to get into that a little bit with you. If I could steal you for a few minutes today. The business of what you're doing, man. We've talked about this, and I heap praise on you every time we talk. And you're kind enough to have kind enough to have us in. All that good stuff, but. We've now, in two years, gone from shit uh, evening radio show that got lucky to do something with you to we've got a morning show now and a podcast network, or a small podcast network, doing live events, different things like that. If you're almost a decade into this. As far as the structure go, goes, are you comfortable with where you're headed? And I know you, you have to be, given the documentaries, the live shows, different things like that. But I guess the business sense of it, do you feel like you have it figured out at this point, 10 years in? Uh, I, 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 well, I've obviously figured an, enough of it out where I can make a good living sure. doing podcasting. I never really thought of it as any different than radio or any other uh, medium, meaning... I just sort of went, you know, how many list, how many listeners does the morning show at K-Rock have, and then what do they charge for advertising, and then let's just do the math. If we have right. half the listeners, we'll, we'll charge half or whatever. I had thoughts, you know. I've always had kind of thoughts about, like, when you go to the beach out here in SoCal and during Labor Day and you look up, you'll see a Cessna dragging a Takati banner. Right. <laughs> Takati's paid the guy in the Cessna to drag this Takati banner because there's X amount of people on the beach, and they look up. Some of them look up. And ironically, you can't drink Takati on the beach. You can't drink beer on the beach, but you can be reminded to crack a few cold ones for the long ride home. So right. it's a very positive message. And I just sort of figured out that, look, whether it's the Takati banner or morning show or or doing doing a podcast, it's all just the same. It's like how many human beings can you reach? And then if you can reach those human beings, uh, you, you'll get paid. Now, I didn't know the whole live podcast thing was going to turn into its own thing. I right. didn't know that the podcast, you know, I didn't, I didn't know about, uh, I'll get a plug-in, uh, go to Amazon and bookmark 
uh, Adam Carolla show, and then uh, whatever you buy, you know, office supplies. We'll we'll get a nickel for every ten bucks you spend. Like I didn't know that was a a viable business. I didn't right. know about so so. To answer your question in a super long winded way, I wouldn't have I, that out of you. Yeah, <laughs> not entertaining and long winded, but I <laughs> I the good news is. He's long-winded. The bad news is he's not entertaining. All right, so I, I said I had this sort of premonition when I got fired from my radio job with my three-year, you know, multi-million-dollar contract and everything. Right. I had this premonition, and I just said it to my wife. I said, "No more long-term big contracts. Those those days are over. It's now going to be." a thousand hoses going into one trough and some of them will be trickling and some of them will be pushing, you know, pushing out more water and some might even be sucking. Like it may be what's in the trough. We got to figure out if something's sucking water out of the trough, we got to pull that hose out of the trough, but it's just going to be that. And it's going to be books and it's going to be touring and it's going to be podcasts and it's going to be, uh, Amazon affiliation programs, and it's going to be crowdfunding. And it's just going to be everything. And I don't yeah. even know what that everything is, but that's what it's going to be. It's like, Dad doesn't have one job. Dad, Dad has 129 jobs. And that's how, you, <laughs> right. that's, how you pay, that's how you pay the bills. And it's like, I don't even know. I mean, it, it, it's foolish and naive to, to even think or know what's next. But on the other hand... I would tell everybody, you know, just sort of be like a middle linebacker, and it, it's like before the ball is snapped, you can't really ask that guy what's next because he's like, could be a pass, could be a run, could be a draw, could be a pitch kick. Like, I don't know, but here's the deal. Get your head on a swivel, open your eyes, and get in a ready position, and then you'll react to what's is next. That, that's fantastic, and, and that's the mindset everybody should have. Even on a local level, I mean, if you talk to business minds like your man, like uh, Mr. August, he'll tell you the same thing. Grow it locally, move it forward, do live things, work things out. I, two things I don't understand when people don't quite grasp that, whether you're a car salesman or you're doing podcasting or whatever, just that mindset. And then the other thing I'm curious about, is there one thing that would draw you out of the 50 things? Now, if you could... Let's just say Netflix said, okay, Corolla, you've, you've killed it. We love these documentaries now. Uh, you know, knock out documentaries for us you know, twice a year or whatever. Is there a version of that, or is podcasting so, or just speaking, I guess, so ingrained into you, eh, if you've got a half an hour, you can have a podcast that can make you another uh, stream of income? Yeah, I, you know, people ask, like, uh, what about getting back into terrestrial radio. What about a serious XM? You know, listen, part of having your head on a swivel while you're dropping back into your hook zone as a linebacker nice. is being open to, look, if, if, if serious XM wants to have a meeting about pushing, uh, you know, backing up a Brinks truck to my house and uh, hopefully having it hitting another Brinks truck that just mm-hmm. dropped off yes. some money on on the way down the driveway, if, if someone wants to have that conversation, I'm taking that meeting. Absolutely. You know, uh, but 
you, you have to be, look, they came to me, Sirius XM did, and they said, we want to give you something like a million dollars a year to do a show, right. but no more podcasting. And if they caught me, you know, in, in 09, I would have right. said done and done and done. But they caught me in 2012, and the answer was no. So it, it's not like it's sort of it's, it's not a yes or no. It's sort of where are you at, and then how much equity have you built up that they have to buy out? You right. Know? So if you caught me three months after I was S-canned from my radio job and said, here's a million bucks, come do this. I would have said, where do I need to be and, and what time and what should I be wearing? Yeah. But now the price is considerably higher because I've built up, you know, I'm saying, okay, well then no more live podcasts and no more daily podcasts and no more touring and no more whatever other revenue in, you know, stream we're talking about. So I would so I guess the, the the thing is is treat yourself as sort of a stock and let's not be a penny stock, you know, like let's let's build ourselves up and you know, that's kinda what it is. I mean it's sort of like you take a look at the judges for the voice or something or right. you know, or America's got talent or whatever it is. You know, these guys Heidi Klum, Howie Mandel, whoever they're just a stock, you know. And if you said to Howie Mandel, "Hey, man, we'll give you five hundred grand. You do a season," he'd be like, "No." But <laughs> if his stock is not is not that. Now, if they ask, you know, one of the comedians from an open any any various open mic night throughout the country, "Hey, I'll give you five hundred," he'd be like, "I'll be there tonight." Right. So it's like kind of think of yourself, and, and again, whether you're selling cars or doing a podcast or doing comedy, basically look at yourself as a stock. It's just trying to build up the worth yeah. of the stock. Yeah. No, it makes, it makes perfect sense. And again, guys, check out adamcarolla.com. We've got all of this information, too. Sassy, you're killing it with the car. How, how crazy is it? And if you got to go, just say so, Adam. No big deal. But if you, if you could go back and just talk to yourself and be like, hey, I'm going to get to make... Uh, documentaries on Paul Newman. I'm going to get to make documentaries on effing K-Rock that you're working on. And all these different things. I mean, would you just laugh at yourself? I mean, what, what, what does this come to where you get to actually do what you truly love? And I know it, fi- it falls back on that financial gain as well. It's what you're good at and what you're putting out there. But I guess, do you ever step back and just kind of realize, like, holy cow, this is impossible coming from where you came from and expecting to do what you probably thought you would be doing, which isn't much at one point. I don't have uh, tons of thoughts. I, I don't have a lot of those thoughts except for 20 minutes ago when I was walking my dog. I did, I did have that. I did have that thought about, you know, what I was looking for out of life and what, what were my where my goals were and where my sights were. And I wasn't one of these Jim Carrey douchebags who went up to Mulhall and, and looked over the city life uh, and wrote myself a check for $10 million and said, what, right. kissed it, 
folded and put in my wallet and said, one day I'm going to cash this check. You know, like yeah. I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't that at all. And as a matter of fact, the thing I'm sort of most thankful for in a bizarre and stupid hypothetical way is I am so thankful that I never, like, signed a deal with the devil to make $44,000 a year for the rest of my life working for a greeting card company, which I clearly would have done. Right. Like, if you, if you would have said, if you would have caught me when I was 29 and said, look, uh, the people from Lucky Logger want you to come on and do those little riddles on the inside of the bottle cap or <laughs> like... We show I, and then a heart, and then yes. uh, a, a U, a, a female. And what is a U? Is that a female sheep? Yeah. Uh, or, yeah, yeah, or, yeah, that's yeah, a W-E, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to work on those. you got to work on those. We'll give you $44,000 a year. Yes. It's going to be locked in. It'll be locked in for the rest of your life. There'll be uh, a 2% cost of living bump every five years. And you'll have some dental. Like, I would have went, give me that contract. Give me that contract. People make that, people make that choice, uh, whether it's the West Coast or here in the Midwest, all the time whenever they decide not to take a risk or not to leave a place or decide that their mortgage on their two-bedroom house is, you know, it's, it's stable. You know, people make that choice all the time. Yeah, I've always, I've always kind of had the bet-on-yourself mentality. I did, uh, speaking of speaking of that, I, I did have a deal. I did have the moment where, um, you know, radio ended. Um, it was probably about 10 months or a year outside of radio ending. I hadn't... Uh, fully, like, recovered, like, I was podcasting, and we were getting some traction, but I wasn't making any money, per se, or I was making some money, but it was mostly from touring and doing stand-up, and that was kind of a grind. And uh, DirecTV came to me with a deal, and I said, look, we want to do a kind of a nighttime Dan Patrick-y kind of thing, where it's like you do your own yeah. show, and it's a radio show, and it's syndicated, and uh, and then we also run it like at night, and uh, at the direct TV, and we build you a studio, and you know we surround you with the Danettes and the blah blahs, whoever your crew is, and blah blah blah. And I said like, what are we talking about here? And they were like, it's it's you know multi year, and uh, it's like a, a million bucks a year. And I was like, that's and and and, and by the way, in in two thousand and ten. Or whatever the economy was shot. Yep. You know, I I, I assumed I was going. I assumed that one day I would get thrown off the radio for dropping an end bomb or something. But it's okay because someone else would smash me up. I didn't right. think I'd get thrown off the radio because the economy collapsed and no one was paying anybody anymore. So when they said we'll give you a million bucks a year, but you have a job. You know, it's three hours a night. You go to a studio. You know, you get the corporate thing. You get a check. You know, and I took it, and I I said, uh, yeah. We had meetings and creative meetings and stuff, and I literally signed the contract, 
And I took it because those jobs didn't exist in 2011 or 2010 or whenever, whenever it was. And I, I said, I'll, I'll sign on the dotted line. And I did. And I found myself, and we're going to get started in, in, in a few weeks. And I, I found myself in a like, hotel room in Iowa, you know, doing, doing stand-up. And just you have a lot of downtime during the day. And you work at night. And I just kind of went like, I just woke up. And I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> right, and right. I remember thinking it's kind of a stupid idea to not do it because now you have twins. You just had twins. You know, you have twins that are four years old and you need the money and you need the security, not just we'll see what the next month has to offer. You, you yeah, you got a pretty a big nut here and you got to be responsible. I remember it was weird. I, I remember just being like, morning just being in Iowa or something and I just called my agent it was funny I it was, it'd never been easier I was like yeah Jesus Christ he's gonna be arguing with me because in his because in his world I mean yeah this guy is Jimmy's agent and, and John Stewart's agent and Stephen Colbert's agent it's like he's gonna be like he doesn't know what a podcast is like he's like you, you guys Cigarettes are coffee, right? <laughs> right. And it's like, you guys with your pod carding, when are you going to wake up and, and, and start making the money or join the real world or whatever it is? I just called him like Saturday morning and I was like, uh, baby doll, uh, I got, I want to talk to you. And he's like, you don't want to do the direct TV deal, do you? And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> he's like, it was easy. He was funny. He always, he usually gives me a hard time. He's like, all right. And that was it. I just walked away, and it, it was a it, it was a good decision, obviously. But it just it, it was really in me not to do it. It, it definitely worked out. And at that point, too, Dixon, you got to think, okay, he's either really believing in me, or he's already wrote me off as a failure. <laughs> at that point, I like I like to think it's the latter. He wrote me off as a failure. I, I think uh, I think that works too. So before I get you out of here, who's next on the uh, on the fall list in Hollywood? I heard you talk about it on your show. You got the Weinstein BS. I love the fact too that, uh, and it's probably limited because I don't listen to a ton of stuff because I'm broadcasting myself all the time. But I do get a chance to tune into yours, and <laughs> I love that you can a talk about it because you're your own boss, and then b you. you you're not. You have nothing to lose in this situation, too. Because you're not exactly. I mean, you've proven it. You're not hiding skeletons of your own. Who is next on this list of? Uh, I think the Amazon uh, CEO or, or someone just resigned. Uh, Weinstein stuff. Who do you think's next yeah. to uh, to fall? That maybe you've heard over the years. Well, you got to keep in mind it's a kind of an algorithm. It's like who's done the most damage versus who's the most popular. Um, you know, yeah. so if you say, hey, did you uh, hear about uh, Gerald Jones? And you go, who's that? He's the CFO of Pixar. And then what right. do you do? He, he raped a thousand women. You go, <laughs> all right, but who is he again? Like, yeah. you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it, it's no good. So it's, 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 um, 
it's an equation between how recognizable is the name and then what's the body cam? Like, what what did he do, right? right. Uh, yeah. To me, for me, the smart money is on Oliver Stone. That guy, that guy. I've heard stories about that guy for longer, and I've heard stories about um, uh, Weinstein, and he just seems to have been up to this stuff for a long period of time. Now, I don't know if his stuff. I don't know if his stuff's illegal or he's just one of these guys that likes to shoot every third movie in Thailand for a reason. Uh, uh, I, I have no... <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down, Adam. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Oliver, we want you to direct a movie on Walt Disney's life. Great. When are we going to Thailand? No, no, no. <laughs> Whoa. How are we going to shoot without being in Thailand? No, no. He's from Orange County. He, we don't need to go to Thailand. Well, yeah, but let's play it safe. Right. <laughs> Listen, I'll be in Thailand. You guys call me when your script is uh, finalized. <laughs> well, well, I've well. heard I've heard stories, but I don't know any any specifics. And I would just say uh, the smart money is on stone. But you got to understand, it, it, depending on what you use, like what your criteria is, it's going to be everybody. You know, because. There is no celebrity dude that did not. I feel like I've been on MTV. I had a show on MTV that was night. It was a nightly show on MTV, and I can tell you, you go into a bar in New York, and a chick will come sit next to you at the bar, and and, and literally ask if you want to go back to her room and watch her and her friend get it on. Really? All that? That's that love line tale. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm saying, like, most no, right. no, most no, dudes aren't. Is what, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, first off, I don't know what to call that. And then secondly, who, what guy has a gear to go, hey, I'm, uh, hey, cootie patrol, get away from me. <laughs> this could be perceived a certain way in 12 years. Right, right. So, yeah, more like 20, but yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Well, hopefully uh, we don't see Adam Kroll's name getting mixed up anytime soon. I think uh, I think we can all count on that not happening. So. Well, you know, you know, it's a kind of a funny, you know, it's a kind of funny equation if you think about it. I'm known in this town as a misogynist. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Be- because a reporter asked me who was funnier, men or women, and I just said men. Um. So, I'm the misogynist, but we'll see if my name comes up. I predict all the heroes, all the dudes, the usual douchebags that are out there flogging the women's rights and showing up at all the meetings and doing all the events and wearing all the pink ribbons. Let's see how many of them pop up versus the guys who are known as misogynists. In this town, let's see who the let's find out who the real misogynists are. I'm, so I interview comedians weekly. I talk to people. I'm in the I'm involved. I put on our own shows here in St. in St. Louis with local comedians, different things like that, dude. And I know this is off your radar, but we've done some cool stuff with you. So things have come up. 
I've personally got my own boilerplate. <laughs> I'm like, listen, that wasn't how it went down. That's not how it ends. And then you've waxed on about it. I don't know how many times. I still find that to be, I don't know. Is it funny? Is it sad that that took the angle that it took? I, I don't know. That was very strange. I, I don't, I never really care. I don't know what it sounds like. Oh, come on, you care. But I, I, I really, I, I don't care because. Because you're not. I, I just sort of walk through life talking. And right. I leave people behind me kind of arguing and talking and saying, crappy things about me as I go past them, but I'm just walking the whole time. Like, I never go anywhere. I just, I, I just keep walking and moving and going and moving on to the next thing. Um, I don't think it's had a positive impact on my career. On the other hand, I make a ton of money and I do whatever I want. So I don't know what, uh, what's not to like in my career. Um, I understand what people do. That it, it's, it's kind of their job. It's, it's kind of, Sad when, when, when people. I, I don't mind that people try to make something of it. What I, what I like is how it morphs into something else. Adam said women weren't funny. Adam said, first off, I never brought it up. I was like <laughs> doing an interview talking about. Well, there's a few angles to it. First off, oh, Adam's trying to get publicity for himself. I've never thought that way. I've never even dreamed of thinking that way. I was doing an interview from some New York whatever about, I think, on a book that I had coming out. And sure. at, the very, at the very end of the interview, the guy just said, who's funnier, men or women? I said, men are funnier. But then I stopped and I said, but, you know, Sarah Solomon and Kathy Griffin are funnier than any guy I went to high school with. Right. If, you, if you're giving me an A or B, and I can't give one of these BS answers, which I pride myself in not giving, which is, uh, you know, there's a lot of funny men and a lot of funny ladies. You, know, I, yeah. you just gave me an A or B. I had to pick one. And it's basically, the way my mind works, it's like this. Either men are funnier, or women are funnier, or it's a statistical deadlock tie. <laughs> Somehow they're both exactly <laughs> as funny. And so I picked, I, I, I took the tie off the table because I feel like that's statistically probably not honest. And then it left men or women. I could have picked women. What if I said women were funnier than men? I don't know. I, 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 I don't know what that would have sounded like. My dog is getting off, off the road here. So I don't. It, it's stupid. Like I just said, men, and then I said, and there's a bunch of funny women, and that was about that was about it. I do believe everyone would agree with me if you just look historically at how many comedians are men and how many comedians are women and comedy writers, blah blah blah. Look, yeah. it's it's a biological thing. Here's the deal: we have developed this to try to get laid. Roseanne Barr did not develop this to try to get laid. We developed this to try to get laid. That's kind of where we're at biologically. So I, I think I have biology on our side. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying we're funnier because we're better or even smarter. I'm saying we're funnier because we're hornier. And we're <laughs> needed to be said, Adam. Needed to be said. You read enough, read enough Playboy centerfolds like I did growing up, and it's like, what do you like in a guy? 
kind eyes and a great sense of humor. Like, when I'm 14 and reading that, I'm thinking, I don't know what I can do about my eyes, but I think I can develop a sense of humor <laughs> and bang this 21-year-old one day. That's exactly right. You knock it out, man. Well, I'm, uh, I'm proud of you for kicking as much as you have, man, and I can't thank you enough for, uh, for all the time today. I'm loving, uh, I'm loving good sports with you and Damashek. We had him on recently. Are you guys going to make that into uh, a full-time thing? Yeah, we're going to see. Uh, it's in the middle of my podcast right now. We're just It's all trying to get my schedule together. Yeah. That's about it. Might as well add another full-time podcast for the roster, huh? Right. Right. <laughs> well, we're, uh, we'll be heading to L.A. sometime soon. We'll have to come out again and uh, say hello. And then uh, to come back through St. Louis, man, let us know. Thanks, Chris. Absolutely a pleasure. Thanks, Adam. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.